All right, we are going to begin a series of studies looking at a little trio of psalms on Wednesday nights. Uh, You probably know that the psalms uh, aren't just a random pile of songs, right? It kind of may feel that way sometimes, but they're not. They're actually meticulously arranged into five books, making up the Psalter. Most of the time, your Bible will show book one, book two, book three. They're broken up in groups. And then there are different types of psalms, right, that, that scholars and, and uh, commentators categorize the psalms in. There are thanksgiving psalms, there are lament psalms, there are imprecatory psalms, there are royal psalms, just to name a few of the categories. And then there are psalms that are grouped or connected in particular ways. Uh, I think of the 15 songs of ascent, for example. Right after Psalm 119 and 120, you have 15 psalms there, and all of them are labeled a song of ascents. And there's a group of songs that they believe the pilgrims would sing going up to Jerusalem year by year for the annual feasts. There are the Lord reigns psalms, starting in about Psalm 93. In between 93 and 100, you can find some of those. But did you know that there are three psalms that are not only given to everyone, they were given to someone, someone specific. There is only one case in all the Psalter of a particular individual being addressed in the title of the psalms as a recipient. Uh, His name is Jejuthin. And most of us, if you're like me, I wasn't real familiar with Jejuthin. But lots of psalms have information given in in what your Bible might call the title, or they call it the superscript sometimes, that thing right up above. Most often it says something like a psalm of David, right? Sometimes we're given biographical information, a psalm of Asaph, a psalm of David, a psalm of Moses, those sorts of things. Um, Sometimes we're given... even more information about the background of the psalm. For example, you'll find one that says, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him. Sometimes there's musical instruction, a Mitchum of David set to do not destroy, for example. As you page through the psalms, you'll see that a lot of the psalms are, we're told what the song name of the melody they were supposed to be sung to us. We don't know what the melodies are, but it's recorded for us there. But then you get to Psalm 39, Psalm 62, and Psalm 77, and here's what their titles are. It says, to the chief musician, period, to Jejuthin. And then the first two, we're told, were written by King David, and then the third was written by Asaph. Now, no one else in all 150 Psalms has a song specifically addressed to them in the whole book. Nobody else. I I don't know about you, but I find that pretty fascinating. Now, there is some debate as to whether Psalms 62 and 77 are addressed to him personally or uh, whether if his name is being used as a type of descriptor. We'll get into that as we get to those Psalms. But Psalm 39, for sure, is definitely addressed and delivered to this individual and probably the other two as well. And so the question becomes, well, who was Jejuthin? And what might we learn from these special songs that were sent his way in a special way? That's where we want to begin tonight. And so to embark in our study of Psalm 39, 62, and 77, we'll have to start in 1 Chronicles. That's where we're going. You'll start in 1 Chronicles 16. We're going to have the verses up for you, but feel free to follow along with me. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're putting in first here at 1 Chronicles 16. And that way we can learn what sort of man Jejuthin was, learn a little bit about him, and then see what sort of songs he was given, okay? 
There are five passages in 1 Chronicles that help give us some insight into Jejuthun's life. And in each one, I think we can highlight certain aspects of his calling as a worshiper of God and a servant in David's court. Our first stop is 1 Chronicles 16, beginning in verse 37. Let me read these verses for us. So he, David, left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark regularly as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom with his 68 brethren, including Obed-Edom, the son of Jejuthun, and Hosah to be gatekeepers, and Zadok the priest and his brethren, the priests, before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was at Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly, morning and evening, and to do according to all that is written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel." And with them, Heman and Jejuthun and the rest who were chosen, who were designated by name to give thanks to the Lord because his mercy endures forever. And with them, Heman and Jejuthun to sound aloud with trumpets and cymbals and the musical instruments of God. Now the sons of Jejuthun were gatekeepers. Please forgive me if I smile when I'm reading He-Man as one of the guys in these passages, but we're given a lot of information here. For our purposes tonight, we want to focus on aspects of Jejuthun's life and his service that might supply application for us as New Testament Christians in the service of our king. In these verses here in chapter 16, I have four highlights for us. First one, Jejuthun was personally called for this service. Notice there in verse 41, it says, he was designated by name. And this is a great encouragement to us as Christians who are in the service of the Lord. Though our God is accomplishing an immense global work, he's doing it across every culture, every locale, every generation. I mean, when you think about the work of God in redeeming mankind and all that he is accomplishing to bring his will in this world, right? And he's been working on it for thousands of years. All of this work that he's doing, working out his providence, all things together for the good of those who are loved by him and called according to his purposes, all of this stuff. I mean, it's an immense, it just a huge work, but he doesn't just see you as some cog in his vast machine, right? We are also shown in the scriptures that our God is an immensely personal God, who not only knows the number of hairs on your head, he has numbered them individually. He fashioned you in your mother's womb and he has intentions for you. He knows you personally. He knows your name. He knows uh, the days of your life and he uh, has formed you and knit you together and he loves you very personally. And so even though it is an immense uh, you know, uh, work across every generation. God's work is done through specific individuals who he has personally set apart for various tasks. You know, when we look in the book of Acts, for example, we don't see parts or positions or opportunities be, being filled generically, right? We don't see um, the leaders of the church saying, yeah, whoever go and do that, do we? We don't. We see them praying and seeking the Lord and individuals being specifically chosen to do particular works for the Lord. It was these seven men chosen to be deacons. They're called out by name. It was Paul, an individual chosen to preach to the Gentiles. It was Paul and Barnabas separated out to go on a missionary journey. It was Philip sent to speak to the Ethiopian. 
And Paul explains in Romans 12 that we as Christians, though many in the church globally, we are still individually given a measure of faith and specific gifts one by one for specific opportunities and assignments in the Lord's household. You are personally called to some area of service to God. And one of the great focuses of your life and purposes of your life is to figure out what the Lord wants you to be doing. Second highlight in this passage, Jejethin was to praise the Lord. He was a Levite, but his specific ministry would be to lead worship and to train others to lead worship. It was David who established the professional um, uh, musician courses among the Levites, right? Before David, there weren't guys who just, hey, I'm the worship leader. And I mean, there were Levites and they all served in the tabernacle, but it's David who came along and said, here's what we're going to do. I am going to pull out some of these Levites, divide them into courses and have them be dedicated to praise and to worship and to developing that part of the national identity. And so his specific ministry would be to lead worship and to train others to lead worship. And we're told that the overall character of his ministry would be to give thanks to the Lord because of his mercy. And that's a theme that comes up a lot in these verses surrounding his life. In fact, Bible scholars will tell you that his name means something like celebrating or one who gives praise. In fact, there's another part, there's another verse in the Bible where they're listing these guys again. And Jejethin is called Ethan. And so Bible scholars think that his name given at birth was Ethan, and that once he started this part of his life, he was given the title or the nickname Jejethin, the celebrator, the one who gives praise. Third highlight in these verses, Jejethin was to play instruments in his service to the king. Now, why should this stand out? Well, I find it a great encouragement that you and I can use our natural skills, our natural abilities in the service of our heavenly father. Jejethin's ability to play instruments was directly used in his spiritual work. Now, him being able to play a trumpet or sing a song, that was not a supernatural ability. It was a natural skill that he had developed as he grew in life. But once that skill was turned over and put into the hands of Almighty God, well, then God took that natural thing, that natural effort and ability, and he transformed it into something eternal, right? God is the only one who has figured out alchemy. Alchemy is the belief that you could turn metals into gold, right? Well, God is the only one who has figured that out. He takes our clay and he turns it into gold. And in fact, that's sort of the imagery that Paul gives us in the New Testament. He says, hey, we're going to stand before the Lord and have our works evaluated. And the Lord's going to sort of pass them through his machine of fire there. And we're going to see what was wood, hay, and stubble and what comes out as gold and silver and precious stones. Human efforts and abilities and talents and skills and convert them into eternal, meaningful, lasting work for his purposes. Eric Little was a wonderful servant of God. Part of his a life story was immortalized in the 1981 classic Chariots of Fire, best picture of the year that year, as I recall. Now, if you're like me, that's what you know about Eric Little, that he was a runner, he was a racer. And in the movie, they explain how he wanted to be a missionary, but it was about how he was this fast runner and how he ran 
you know, for the glory of God and how he wouldn't run on Sunday as a testimony and that sort of thing. If you were like me, you didn't know that he was a missionary after that in China for 20 years and that he died in a Japanese internment camp in 1945. Now, I didn't know that because I wasn't so familiar with his life. What I remember and what I think the average person out there remembers is how the whole world's attention was turned toward Jesus Christ for a moment as they looked at his life because Eric Little could run, right? He famously said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Great quote. It's something that we remember. The way that he pumped his arms and his legs, the way that he ran brought glory to God, glory that continues to be a testimony of God's grace and God's salvation, even though Eric Little has been dead for many, many decades. And so God can convert our natural abilities into eternal accomplishments. And so what does this mean? If you play an instrument, man, play it for Jesus. If you are swift of foot, run for his pleasure. If you can build or repair or code or cook or communicate or whatever, offer those abilities for the service of your king because God can use all of those things, natural though they may be, simple though they may be, And he can convert it into something eternally glorious that is used to not only encourage others, but change lives and even change eternities in some cases. Now, the fourth highlight from this first passage, Jejethin was pleased with God's will. If you're familiar with 1 Chronicles 16, you know that this was a very significant moment uh, for the children of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant had been recovered from being in Philistine territory. David was bringing it back to be in the midst of God's people. And David made a special plan, a kind of unusual plan, but a special plan. He set up a separate tabernacle just for the Ark. It would be a place of praise and prayer. And it would later be known as the Tabernacle of David. Maybe you've come across that in some of your other reading in other parts of the Bible. But this would have been a very exciting new thing. But did you notice what we read there? Jejethin wasn't assigned to that tabernacle. He didn't get to work there. His orders were to go back to the Mosaic tabernacle back at Gibeon, be stationed there. The plain old tabernacle back where the altar was is not at the cool new place, the fun new adventure. It was the old tabernacle. But Jejethin did not complain that his friend Asaph, rather than he, was given the exciting new post. No, he was faithful to go where his king wanted him to go. And he didn't resent the fact that someone else got a different opportunity. We don't see him pulling David aside and filing a grievance saying, hey, I'm Jejethin. I I should be at the cool new place. Make Asaph do his time over here at the other tabernacle. Not at all. He was pleased with his king's will. Let's move to our next passage. Tells us about Jejethin. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1. 1 Chronicles 25, 1 says, moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, of Haman, and of Jejethin, who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. The highlight from this verse is that Jejethin was to be a prophet for the Lord. He was to prophesy for the Lord. In fact, later on, he's even called the king's seer. Through his music ministry, he would act as a prophet for Israel and for the king. Now, this stands in contrast with the previous passage. Back in the previous passage, we saw Jejethin would be using his natural skills and abilities to serve God and that that would be fruitful. God would bear fruit through those efforts. 
But here we see that he was also given supernatural filling to accomplish ministry. He would be empowered by God to do what he could never have done on his own. He can't prophesy on his own. He'd just be making stuff up. But God says, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna become a prophet for the king and prophet for Israel. You're gonna speak the word of God in a really dramatic and supernatural way. And that's what spiritual gifts are for us, right? The supernatural empowering to do what we cannot do on our own. 1 Corinthians 12 says that there are diversities of gifts given for diversities of ministries and activities as God works all in all. And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each of God's people for the profit of all, Paul says. And so we learn from the New Testament And we see in examples like Jejuthin that the life of a believer is characterized by the supernatural empowering to accomplish God's will as we carry out our regular lives in his service. What God asks us to do and how he gifts us to do it, well, that is God's business. You don't get to pick your spiritual gift. He picks it. He gives it to you. He's the gift giver right? Do you like when, do you have anybody that you know, a friend or a family member who says, Christmas is coming around here is what I want you to give me? Well, that's rude in our culture. We think that's kind of trashy, man. You shouldn't be doing that. But sometimes we get frustrated. We say, well, I want God to put me here and I want him to give me this gift and I want to do X, Y. Hey, it's the Lord's business because he's accomplishing a variety of activities, working all in all, right? But there is diversities of gifts for diversities of activities and opportunities. It is his business, what he asks us to do and how he gifts us to do it. But as we present ourselves and our abilities as living sacrifices to him, his method is then to accomplish his work in us and through us in magnificent supernatural ways. Our next passage is 1 Chronicles 9 in verse 33. There it says, These are the singers, heads of the father's houses of the Levites who lodged in the chambers and were free from other duties. They were employed in that work day and night. So these guys who were in charge of singing and praising and learning music, they didn't do anything else in this system, right? While Jejuthin is not specifically mentioned here, this regulation would have been applied to him. Here, the highlight is that Jejuthin lived in the presence of God. He may not have been the king, but you know what? He was living the life that King David wanted. King David was jealous of this guy. I know that because David wrote this in Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, right? That's what David wanted. He may have been king of all Israel. He may have been the giant slayer. He may have been all of these different things. And in some part of David's heart, he was looking at Jejuthun, and he was like, I wish I could be that guy. I wish I could just live in the tabernacle, live in the temple, live in the presence of the Lord and praise the Lord and write songs and just enjoy that communion with the Lord. It's demonstrated here that a life lived in communion with God, in the presence of God, well, that is the most enviable life of all. Now, most of us here, we don't get to work at a church. We certainly, I I doubt any of us go to a worship service every single day. But all of us as Christians have been invited into intimate, ceaseless fellowship with God. We are given access to his ear. We're able to praise him at any time. We're told to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk with God in his presence, to commune with God and draw near to him. These are the things that the Bible tells us to do and says are are accessible to us. 
And so we are able to, in a spiritual sense, live like Jejethin in the presence of the Lord all the time, day and night. Turn over to First Chronicles chapter 25 once more. It says there in verse 3, Of Jejethin, the sons of Jejethin, Gedaliah, Zeri, Jeshaiah, Shimei, Hashabiah, Mattathiah, six under the direction of their father, Jejethin, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and praise to the Lord. And then in verse 8, They cast lots for their duty, the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. Two highlights for us here. First, we see that Jejethin was very busy preparing the next generation. I mean, he was all about this. This was a major part of his life. He was dedicated to directing his sons in how to serve God. And for him, it meant not only training them in religious things, right, but also training them practically in music. He was training them to sing, training them to play, training them to worship and to lead and to do all this in addition to teaching them the religious principles that they would need in order to be in communion with God. Commentators think that he led a choir and or an orchestra of these guys. And we note there that Jejethin's service to his king wasn't just about him. He wasn't a soloist. He's in a group all the time. He's always with people that he's bringing along and cooperating with. In fact, not only was it not just about him, it was almost never about him. It was probably mostly about these other guys as far as time spent. If you're talking about time spent, I mean, he's got all kinds of guys that he has to train in music, to train in worship leading, to train in singing, to train in liturgy. To, to do. He's responsible for all of this. He probably had very little personal time or me time or time where he was in the spotlight. And that leads to the second highlight in these verses. Jejethin permitted others to serve with him. He did not try to stand in the way of these less experienced men. Now, he wasn't allowed to stand in their way, as we'll see here, but he didn't try. All were able to serve the Lord. Notice what it says, the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. They were all serving together. Now, I'm guessing if you were uh, David and you had a big convocation planned or a service there at the tabernacle and it was like, okay, we need some, we're gonna have somebody come out and who's gonna lead the song? I'm sure that David is thinking, I hope it's Jejethin on harp today. <laughs> And maybe not one of these other guys, only because Jejethin was a great expert. Uh, Some of the scholars think that Jejethin may have been David's music tutor, taught him to play based on a variety of different uh, arguments. But all were permitted to serve, all were invited to participate, even though there was clearly a hierarchy and there's clearly an order to what they were doing. Jejethin was the guy who was in charge, but he was bringing these fellows along. And so Jejethin's daily life was about graciously teaching others how to serve God and then watching God do really great things through their lives. And so we would say in our you know, sort of language today, he wasn't a diva. He didn't have a God complex He had the heart of a teacher and it worked. You know what? It worked. Whatever he was doing, his system, his method, his attitude, it worked. And I know that because we see his sons, his descendants, which are talked about here, they're still doing godly service hundreds of years later. They're referenced specifically first under King Hezekiah and then under Josiah, they're cleansing the temple. They're still existing as the sons of Jejethin. They're even mentioned after the Babylonian captivity under the administration of Nehemiah. 
So whatever he was doing, it worked. His legacy of teaching the next generation and instilling in them the value of teaching the following generation uh, was really contagious and very effective. One more passage, 1 Chronicles 25, 6. It says, all these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Jejethin, and Heman were under the authority of the king. That last phrase is what I want us to focus in on. The highlight here is that Jejethin presented himself to the king in loyalty and in submission. He didn't answer to anybody else. He went right in to the king, uh, right into his throne to be directed by him and to communicate with him. Paul tells us in Romans that as servants, it is to our own master that we're gonna stand or fall, right? Now that shouldn't make us afraid because then he goes on to say, God is able to make us stand. But it is a wonderful reminder of a couple things. First, no one can separate us from Jesus Christ or from his love, nobody. Nobody can get in the way and say, well, nope, I revoked your clearance. You have to go through me in order to get to Jesus. That's not the way the Lord set it up. Uh, But it's also a great reminder that each of us will stand before our king one day face to face, and we will give an account of how we spent our lives here on the earth. While we live on this side of eternity, we want to do so under the authority of Jesus and in his service, obeying the tasks he has assigned to us. And so now we're brought to the three Psalms that bear Jejethin's name. You know, we've seen a little bit about him. He was a faithful man, a family man, a man full of thankful praise, a man with a gracious heart, a teacher, ready and able to develop others in the uh, path of worship and all of that. If you were gonna write a song for this guy with him in mind, what song would you write? Or knowing the Psalms, what Psalm would you assign to him? Well, here's what Jejethin got. Psalm 39 is a funeral psalm about the vanity of life. Okay, well, what else we got? Well, Psalm 62 is about enduring opposition and the, all the attacks you're gonna face in this life. Okay, well, what else you got? <laughs> I'm gonna end this strong, right? Well, Psalm 77 talks about what we should do when the day of trouble comes and our souls refuse to be comforted. It's a lot more like Adele's hello than Pharrell's happy, Right? <laughs> I mean, these are, these are not upbeat songs. Jejethin, you can tell everybody that these are your songs, is what David's saying to him, right? Now, if I was Jejethin, I might have looked these over and I maybe would have said, hey, what about Psalm 150? Psalm 150, that's a good psalm. Anybody have that one yet? I'd love to have that one. Go ahead and give 77 to somebody else. How about Psalm 1? That's a good one too. Can I have that one? I'm not sure how excited I would have been to receive Psalms 39 and 62 and 77 designated with my name. Hey, to Jejethin. For the king to say, here, these are you. These are for you. Go master them and go perform them. Go deliver them. These are, these are all for you, buddy. At the end of Winston Churchill's time as prime minister, the House of Lords and the House of Commons commissioned a full-length portrait of him to be painted. They paid a pretty penny to a guy named Graham Sutherland. He was a modernist painter. The painting was presented to Churchill by both houses of parliament at a public ceremony on his 80th birthday. And Churchill hated it. He hated it so much 
The painting was intended to hang in the houses of parliament after Churchill's death, but since they had given it to him as a personal gift, he took it. He took it home where it was never displayed despite numerous requests. People said, hey, we want to put this on display. Instead, Lady Churchill burned the painting shortly after bringing it home. Now, what if Jejuthun had treated these psalms that way and said, oh, these are getting put on the bottom of the stack. These are never making it into the Psalter. Now that they're in my hands, I'm not singing these songs. You know, we're told that the Lord gives us songs to sing. Job 35 verse 10, it says, God gives us songs in the night. Psalm 40 verse three says, the Lord has put a new song in my mouth. In Revelation 14, we're told the 144,000 are taught a special song that only they can learn, right? So God gives us songs to sing, uh, not only, you know, literally in some cases, but God plays a melody through your life. He plays melodies through my life. There's some song that he is delivered to us, put my name on and said, this is the song that's going to play through your life. And if we're honest, they're not always the upbeat sunshine and lollipop songs we might choose for ourselves. They're often songs about suffering and endurance and waiting and those sorts of things. But being a Christian means we must be willing to let those melodies play in us. It means being like Jejuthun, who is faithful to carry out his calling, even when he had to sing tough songs. And because of that faithfulness, when the temple was open for the first time in 2 Chronicles 5, we're told when Jejuthun and his guys started to sing their song of praise, the glory of God so filled that house, the priest couldn't even continue the service. Everything had to stop because God's glory was so magnified through them, through their service, through their singing. And so as we embark on a study of these three Psalms that bear this man's name, not written by him, but given to him to play, to sing. We'll learn about serving God and honoring God, worshiping God, even during the tough melodies of life. And through Jejuthun's example, we see that we can have a lasting, eternal legacy as we live for the Lord, putting our efforts and talents and abilities in his service and allowing him to direct us according to his will, filling us with his power. And as the Lord does that, you can tell everybody that this is your story. These are your songs. Amen.